1 Corinthians 13, 12 through 13. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it all as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us towards that consummation. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, love extravagantly, and the best of the three is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. At this time, I would like to introduce our speaker, Mike Carter, a friend of Gateway. So please welcome him to the stage. This is his second time speaking with us. Great. Thanks for uh, allowing me to be here again. Um, we have been friends of Gateway for uh, a long time and glad to be back. Uh, the last time, if you were here, uh, I got a call at a text at six o'clock in the morning, Sunday morning, from Kyle, the pastor that was here, saying, I have COVID, would you speak for me Sunday? So this I had a little bit more heads up. I want to um, read that scripture again, because that's kind of foundational to uh, my talk today. And, um, and then, then we'll pray. Paul wrote to the early church in Corinth some really important uh, things for them to know and for us to know in verse 12 of that famous chapter on love. He writes, we don't see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog. We're peering through a mist. I would suspect that's most of our experiences in our life. But it won't be long before the weather clears up and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly just as he knows us. But for right now, until that, complete, until that completeness, we have three things that lead us toward that consummation. Those three things that help us stay on track, those three things that keep us through the fog and through the mist. And those three things are trust steadily, steadily in God, faith. Hope unswervingly, hope. And love extravagantly, love. And the best of the three is love. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we gather today, I ask that we would know your tangible presence with us. That we would receive from you the gift that we need today, each one of us, as we come, would receive from you what we need. And that we may give freely to those in need around us. We pray that there would be encouragement today. There would be new awarenesses. There would be new understandings. 
and that we would hear your invitation to leave this place walking in your grace. And we pray all of these things in the holy name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I appreciated the leadership of the, of, of the church to give me some kind of clue of what you guys have been talking about so I'm not totally out there on the left field. But I could be. We'll see afterwards. But I, I'm, I'm, as, I, as we read that scripture, uh, I, I wanted to, I could, because I'm, I'm, I want to talk about faith and love and the interaction. But I, to frame that, earlier on in that chapter in verse 2, Paul wrote, If I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would have nothing. So I want to put it in perspective. And, and I was asked to consider a, a person of faith, someone who lived out of faith. Now, he, here's the truth. I've been, my wife and I have been pastors and church planners uh, for 45 years. Um, we are no longer in that role. I'm just a regular human being. And, and yet, on the other hand, you know, um, we've appreciated all those years of working with various churches and leading people. And I spoke quite a bit on Sundays. Almost every Sunday was, was, uh, was speaking or my wife was speaking um, or others may have. But I found out about 15 years ago that every, and a, and a good speaker will quote other people, you know, that, that's, that validates what they're saying. Is somebody smarter than them? You know, will say it so you say, yeah, I agree with them. And I, and I, I realized one, one week as I was preparing, for most of my life, I was quoting dead white guys. You know, I, th th that's about all I, I was doing was quoting dead white guys. You know, guys that lived in the 1700s, guys in the 1800s, and, and a few. And, and a few people that I quoted, white guys that were living, they died soon after. So I wanted to be careful about quoting people. And I, and I had to, I had to, um, I had to really ask, Lord, where are the women and people of color and other? You know, I gotta, come on, I gotta quote them. So I'm going to do that today. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of Cole Arthur Riley, uh, a young African American woman, who who is a great writer and and uh, she is the creator of Black Liturgies. And I just picked this book up not too long ago, and I was reading the preface, and I thought, yes, this, this, this is what uh, I'm talking about in this. I am actually going to, as a person of faith, I'm going to talk about a dead white guy, so I have to do this first, okay? I, I'm so excited about getting deep into this book, but this is just the preface. She writes, I used to think that Christian formation and contemplation was reserved for white men who leave copies of C.S. Lewis's letters strewn about and know a great deal about coffee and beard oils. I love it. I love it. I don't know much about, I do leave C.S. Lewis all over the place. I, I, I enjoy coffee and as you can tell, I have no idea what, it, what beard oils are, are like. Um, but anyway, yeah, there. Great book. This here flesh, it, it's, 
I, I'm, I'm going to recommend it. I can't wait to read it. And maybe the next time I speak, I'll have a whole bunch more to quote uh, on it. But I want to talk about a guy that really influenced me earlier on in following Jesus. I, I came to faith as a young adult in what was called the Jesus Movement. If you, if you watched the Jesus Revolution movie, that was one of my wife and I's experience in what was called the, the Jesus Revolution. And I, I got introduced to uh, this British man that lived in most of the 1800s. He was born early in the 1800s and died late in the 1800s named George Mueller. And you might have heard of him. And, and it affected me profoundly, um, his life. He was, he, he was a, as a young man, he, he was a renegade. He, he had been put in jail a couple times for stealing. He, he partied quite a bit. Uh, he was known uh, in his, in his uh, community as somewhat of a rebel rouser. And he came to faith in Christ and totally, totally changed, uh, had a dramatic uh, a, a relationship with him, and his whole life took a different trajectory. And in that, he developed this love of trusting God, loving God. He said his first year of following Jesus, he, he loved God. Second year, he loved him more. Third year, he loved him even more. Up until, you know, his 90s, he was increasing in his love and affection and relationship with Jesus. And he wanted to, he, he was learning this life of faith, of trusting God for everything in his life. And he was looking at how to live that out. First, he was a pastor, so he, he stopped taking a salary. I'm not saying that that's a wise thing to do, you know, but, but that's, that's what he did, to trust God with that. But then he was, he was captivated, much like Charles Dickens at the time, his contemporary, of the, of the problem of orphans in the nation of England at that time, in the mid-1800s. There were about, at that time, only three orphanages, and you had to pay for your orphans to go there. And so there, there was this whole nation of orphans. They've had orphans because of sickness, orphans because of war, poverty, incredible amounts of poverty. And so he, he felt like he wanted to apply this faith, this love of Jesus and faith to, to something that, that was moving him. And so he, he embarked in this life of faith A couple weeks ago, I, 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 um, I use uh, Lectio 365 sometimes. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's an app that's great. It's, it helps you in your, in your prayer time. And they, they mentioned um, uh, George Mueller in that, in that daily prayer time. And here's what they, they noticed, uh, uh, noted about him that I remember through reading various biographies of him. He said, as they, as, they, um, as they noted that George Mueller, the great 19th century pastor who cared for at, at any particular time 10,000 orphans and started over 117 schools, which 
They had over 120,000 students at the time. They gave away over 250,000 Bibles, mostly to China. And certainly a man who learned how to persevere night and day in prayer. He did this without solicitation. One of his key things in trusting God was that he wasn't going to ask anyone for any help. So he didn't have a newsletter. He didn't broadcast it on radio or TV. He didn't have a podcast. Uh, he, he never asked for, in fact, he went out of his way to make sure that nobody ever gave because somebody asked him for it. So he prayed in the provision for these orphans, for these schools, for these Bibles. And he trusted God and God alone in that. He exercised his faith. Over, uh, over 50,000 answers to prayer were cataloged in his lifetime. He would make a note of each time a prayer was answered. 50,000 answers to prayer cataloged in his lifetime. Just 5,000 came instantly on the day he asked for them. I, that would be great, 5,000 in my lifetime, you know, were answered. But 50,000, 5,000 were answered specifically on the day he prayed. So in other words, 45,000 of George Mueller's miracles, 90% of his requests required significant perseverance in prayer and waiting. Some of them didn't happen until after he died, and they were cataloged in that. This ratio sounds about right to me. One man for whom Mueller consistently prayed waited 63 years to surrender his life to Christ. So Mueller says this, don't let yesterday's seemingly unanswered prayers stop you from praying in faith today. What are you holding on to? What, what are you waiting for in perseverance? I, I, I will say that I love the perseverance of the leadership of Gateway, uh, of not giving up. In the last few years, you have faced many challenges, and you're still here hoping and praying and believing. I would, I would argue that that is motivated by love and compassion. Even though faith seems to have worked in George's life, it was love that motivated, that, that was the engine behind his faith. Love attachment to God, love attachment to others, particularly to the poor and especially the orphaned. It was the object of applying his faith, was love, was compassion. I've come, come to understand in my own life that faith is not a static concept, but rather a way of being. It's a way of living. It's not a thing out there. You know, in, 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 in North American Christianity, especially in evangelical realms, we've made faith a thing that's separate. And it isn't. It is, it is integrated into our lives. It is, it is a way of being. It's a way of life. I've been following Jesus for almost, uh, next year it'll be 50 years. 
and I don't know everything. And I'm finding out more and more that, uh, that I am trusting him more, that that reality of, of, uh, of the scripture that we read is, is, is often what I experience is I'm in a midst. I'm in a fog. I don't see clearly. And where faith needs to increase in my life. Faith is not simply transactional. I ask the big Santa Claus for something and I get it. I ask the fairy godmother to turn my, my, my pumpkin into a carriage. I ask for favors for God. I ask for needs for God. All those are important. But faith is not simply a transaction. It's relational. It is birthed out of love and compassion. In John 17, we see Jesus exercising his faith by praying for others, including us. As he, as he sits in the garden alone, he is motivated by his love of humanity that motivates him to exercise his faith for you and I. Even today, where we see that Jesus makes intercession for us, even today. A few questions that I've been asking myself, and maybe they might be helpful to you is what moves me to engage my faith to trust God for others' benefit. George Mueller was trusting God for the benefit of others. What moves me to compassion? What is my focus? I, I, I know the, the, the passion and compassion and love for, for the original uh, leaders of Gateway was to love this city and to demonstrate the love of God to those in it. It was a church for the city. What is the thing that motivates us through compassion? We have so many opportunities today in this world, don't we? Just a, a simple... Um, a, a simple understanding or knowledge of the news of last week can break your heart. As Jesus looked over Jerusalem, he wept in compassion, concern for the people there. Of Morocco and the earthquake and Libya and the flood, just the news of our own, our own nation what moves us to compassion? To waken our faith muscles for the sake of others. What moves us to love and good works that places us in a posture to ask the big asks of God? 
How are we exercising our faith and towards what end? What moves us to put our long-suffering, patient faith towards? I don't know about you, but I'm kind of disappointed in myself at times for giving up things I've prayed for, things I've asked for, things that I got disappointed that I didn't get an answer right away, my expectation of God to be the, the genie in the, in the bottle to grant me three wishes. The people I've been praying for and holding out hope for, do I love deeply enough to awaken my faith muscles, to stick in there with it. I know when I, again, when I first read George Mueller as a young believer, I wanted to live my life like him. And now after at this age, I'm, I'm looking back and I may have wanted to live my life like him, but I don't know if I was willing to do the work that he did. I am grateful for the way faith has led me. I'm grateful for the way that faith has lived in our lives. And I know there's more, so much more. What is the motivating factor of our lives? What moves us to compassion? To believe God. to be men and women, children, human beings of faith. Let's take a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to come. Maybe show an area where he is inviting you to trust a little bit for someone else. Can we do that? Just a moment. Take notice of a name or a situation that he brings to mind. And maybe you'd like to pray with me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Amen. Amen.